Hello and welcome back to You Glow Girl. I am Michael, your host, and today we are going to be talking about coffee. Originally, I was going to do coffee and caffeine in the same podcast, but to be honest, there's just way too much to talk about when it comes to caffeine. So I think I'm just going to hold off and do that for another episode altogether. I feel like I might combo that one with a sleep episode. So maybe caffeine and sleep later on. Um, Yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today, coffee, because that's probably the next most addicting substance in my life or maybe the number one addicting substance in my life. I'm obsessed with coffee. It's not really a it's not really a personality trait at this point though because I feel like everybody's obsessed with coffee. It's it's not like a pick me thing, okay? I know I'm not more obsessed than the next girl. But coffee, I feel like is something that affects probably 90% of the population. So that's why I've chosen that for today's episode. So let's start off with a little chit-chat here because you remember how last year or the year before if you were like slightly sick, just like kind of tired, vaguely have a sore throat, it was you need to stay at home for two weeks and you need to get a COVID test immediately. And – or I, I don't know what it was. What Stay at home for at least three days and get a COVID test. And if your COVID test is positive, then you need to stay home for two weeks minimum and you can't go anywhere, la di da da And like there were false positives all the time. So – People were just staying home for like weeks at a time during this. And now we are back to the era of like people just actively and obviously being sick and the whole world's like, oh, you got a cold? Who cares? Get back to work. <laughs> like, it's it's. I feel like it, we're not like post-pandemic to the point where like people don't talk about it all the time. It's still something that's brought up, I feel like, pretty often. But it is just bizarre to me that – Somebody can be like actively sick doing their job and nobody cares anymore because this time last year, people were losing their minds. Go home, stay home for two weeks, get a COVID test. And if you're sick, don't come back. Like I said, for two weeks and for a lot of you, we're not going to pay you. (laughs) Just absolutely bizarre how far we've come since last year. And it's, I mean, oh, I don't know, dude. Like, it just goes so fast. Like, it just feels like it wasn't that long ago. I don't know. Anyway, enough chit-chat for today. I chit-chatted a long time in the last episode. That was very, very long. And I'm going to keep this one short for you guys. So we're going to move right into gratitudes. And one of my gratitudes for today is I am so grateful for functional medicine. I suffer from like IBS, I suffer from gut health issues, I suffer from hormonal acne, I have like brittle nails like that just don't grow. They'll grow but they're they're not like strong. They're weak nails. Um I supplement with all the right things. Um for my home hormonal acne, I take so many supplements a day just to keep my hormonal acne at bay and they're all natural like supplements. I don't take like anything hormonal because it took me forever to get off of everything hormonal. So anyway, I just try to use things that are best for me, but I feel like I'm just constantly supplementing like every single thing in my life. And yet I'm still like still suffering from all these things. And still just the other day I was so bloated. Okay. I ate nothing out of the ordinary. It was just 
that this whole past week I've just been bloating like crazy after pretty much anything I eat. And there are things that I eat normally all the time. And finally I was like, it was literally 8 p.m. I'm upstairs like trying to go to bed, like get wind down, get ready for bed. And I'm like, dude, you literally look like you're six months pregnant. And it's 100% bloat. I mean, there was no reason for it. I wasn't like overly full. I wasn't, there was just nothing except for I was just so descended. My stomach was so descended off of my body that I literally looked six months pregnant. Not a good look when you're not six months pregnant. So the very next morning, I finally got into an appointment with a functional med doctor, like have it scheduled for next week. So I'll follow up and let you guys know how that goes. But I'm just so grateful for that because every time that I go to a normal doctor, okay, like your everyday Joe Schmo doctor's office, they never want to do any type of tests because insurance is basically like if there's not 150% reason why this test needs to be run and you have 150% proof that this test needs to be run, then we don't want to run this test. Otherwise, it's coming out of the pocket of like the doctor's office. And then on top of that, like it's more time. They don't have the time because they're being crammed with like hundreds of patients a week. So they don't have time for you to like come in, just get this test, then come back later so they can go over it and all of these things. And I don't know, just with dermatology, it never worked out for me because they literally just pushed and pushed and pushed hormonal drugs. Like when I had hormonal acne, I still have hormonal acne, acne, suffer from it all the time, but I'd go to the dermatologist and they were like, can you please just get on birth control? Like, no, sis, I got off birth control literally like seven years ago and I'm actively telling you I do not want to be on anything hormone disrupting. So they're like, okay, well, we would put you on Accutane, which is like the number one thing that we're going to recommend for you, but we don't really want to put you on Accutane because you're not on birth control and you can't like promise us that you're not going to have a kid. I was like, well, I don't want a kid right now, so I actively am taking measures to not have a child right now because I'm a grown-ass adult and I don't want that right now. So yeah, I am actively going to prevent children. And they're like, well, there's no guarantee First of all, there's no guarantee on birth control either. Like people get pregnant on that all the time. Can you get out of here? (laughs) But second of all, can you also not degrade the fact that I'm sitting here telling you like it's not going to happen at this time because I am actively making sure that it does not. Like you're making it seem like I'm just this like incompetent, dumb little girl who can't control it. No. Okay. We're moving on. Um, And then the triggering thing, the most triggering thing about the dermatology thing for me was after I expressed that I did not want to be on anything hormonal, they put me on four months of antibiotics, which is absolutely, it wreaks havoc on your gut when that, when you have antibiotics in your system, it kills everything off. And I already told them that I was having a lot of gut problems and IBS and all these other things. So put me on four months of antibiotics, and then they put me on spironolactone. And yes, it is 100% my fault. I will take accountability for the fact that I did not look up spironolactone and I did not know what it was. Um, She told me that it was, it's used for something else in the medical field, but the side effect of it is that it stops hormonal acne. I just took what she said and I ran with it and I was like, sure, put me on it. And then of course I'm on it for like three months and one day I'm like, what is this? look it up and it's like hormone altering drug. It messes with your estrogen and your progesterone and all these other things. I was like, great. I love this for me. Um, So basically I just cold turkey got off 
of spironolactone and then went back into like raging hormonal acne because spironolactone did work for me, but it also like had, you know, it's screwing up my hormones. Like the last thing I want is to keep screwing up my hormones. I just want them to go back to their natural state. I want everything to be like functioning normally as it should in my body. So longest gratitude of all time. I'm so grateful for functional medicine and that it exists so that I can go to this new doctor and she's not going to like say, rub some dirt on it. <laughs> Literally the doctor when I had IBS was like, eh, he's like, you have IBS, sucks to suck. Like I could give you some pills. They're not really going to help you that much. Or you could maybe look into changing your diet. Otherwise like no bueno, you just have to live with it for the rest of your life. So I'm like, oh, okay, super helpful. Um, and this functional med doctor is like, we're going to do some testing on like nutritional testing, uh, allergy testing, like things that you might be sensitive to in your foods. We're going to do like all these tests for like gut health and bacteria overgrowth and all these other things that could be causing problems, but we just don't know because nobody's looked inside my body. They just look at me and they're like, you look fine. You're not of age to be dying yet. So we'll just let you suffer. <laughs> so gratitude, functional medicine. Sorry, that was so long winded. And I'll move on to the next one. Um, I'll do a light one for you. I am so grateful for my lungs. I'm grateful that I can breathe in air. I'm grateful that I can breathe. Let's just start with that because if I couldn't, we'd have some issues. Um, I'm grateful that like I can inhale a huge breath of air after I've been laughing for 10 minutes and I'm like to the point where I can't breathe and suddenly my lungs are like, you know, you know, I'm grateful for my lungs. Okay. And I'm grateful for my lungs when I'm stressed out and I need to take deep breaths when I'm angry and I need to take deep breaths or when I just want to calm down and I'm laying in bed and I'm taking deep breaths, I'm grateful for the fact that I can just fill up on all this. I want to say fresh air, but sometimes it's toxic in today's society. So I'm, uh, I'm just grateful that I get to fill up on the air and live. Okay. We're grateful for lungs. We're grateful for healthy lungs because there are some people out there that don't have healthy lungs and breathing air is difficult for them. And like, y'all know how bad you need that shit. So I'm grateful for my lungs. Thank you so much, universe and God, for my functioning, working lungs. All right, moving on. We're going to talk about coffee now. So first of all, coffee um, is one of those things that was like made by Jesus himself. Obviously, he touched it and it just turned to gold. Um, why do people drink coffee? For the most part, I would say the majority of people drink coffee because of the energy boost that it gives you, like the caffeine jolt and the rush in the morning. Everyone feels tired when they wake up. Bam, we get our coffee. We're good to go. All right. And then also because it's a ritual, because even if you were drinking decaf coffee, you would still likely crave the coffee or still want that ritual in the morning. Coffee's a ritual. We wake up every day. We just love to have our coffee. Okay. And coffee just brings people joy generally speaking. The smell of coffee in the morning, it just hits, dude. Like it's a dopamine hit. Um, I'm like laying in bed and I immediately smile when I smell coffee in the morning if I'm just like not the one making it and it's just brewing downstairs or whatever. Oh, it's just like the smell of coffee just hit my soul and I'm, I'm doing good. I'm ready to wake up because my mouth is like, yes, I want some coffee now. 
I am kind of picky about my coffee. I cannot stand like a cup of cheap watered down diner coffee. Pass. If you see me in a diner nine times out of 10, I'm not getting the coffee because it's just, it's not worth it, honestly. So anyway, majority of people drink it for the energy, the ritual, the joy of it. Um, it wakes you up because uh, obviously there's caffeine in it, okay? And caffeine is a stimulant. So it wakes you up, stimulates your system, but it also stimulates you in a few other ways. You know what I'm saying? You might have to run to the restroom shortly after you have coffee. Um, and that might be another reason why some people drink it because I do know people who are like, I just got to, you know, pop off. <laughs> I got to empty out some of my uh, body before I go to work today. And so that's a really nice thing for them to get that stimulant and run to the bathroom. And then what are some benefits of coffee? Coffee has a lot of antioxidants. It possibly has the ability to improve short-term and long-term memory. The long-term memory is still being studied, but short-term memory, so basically it just like makes you a little more alert and helps with your short-term memory during the morning or during the day, whatever. But it possibly can help with long-term memory. There were a few studies about it with like dementia and things like that and how it can decrease chances of dementia and improve symptoms of dementia, which was kind of wild. I'm not going to get into that. I don't know that, uh, I don't know that I want to blast that coffee might be like some sort of cure for that. So just going to say possibly can help your long-term memory, but back to the antioxidants. Okay. So coffee has a lot of antioxidants and this was such a wild stat that I read, but the average American gets more antioxidants via their morning coffee than they do fruits and vegetables that they consume throughout the day. Now, granted, okay, hear me out, because personally, I think this number is because the average American does not eat very many fruits and vegetables throughout the day. So their antioxidant intake is just incredibly low in general. Like, it's not like the coffee is just so outrageously rich in these things that it's just blowing away a healthy diet, okay? There's no way. You can't tell me that I'm out here eating the best of the best diet under the sun and then 99% of my antioxidants are coming from my coffee. That's not happening. It's because Americans have a shit diet and they all eat garbage and then the ha they just happen to drink coffee that has some antioxidants and then that is where the average American gets the majority of their antioxidants. So yeah, the the people who are getting the majority of their antioxidants from coffee are just not getting very many antioxidants to begin with. And they're not typically, probably, this is my opinion, of course, they're probably not consuming a very healthy diet. Coffee also contains some good minerals. Like there was one of the ones listed was magnesium. I'm not going to list all of them, but minerals are essential for your body. It's a good, I mean, it's a good thing to know. You need minerals. Another thing that was listed is that coffee is also 99% water. So caffeine itself is dehydrating, but coffee technically is hydrating because it is 99% water. Um, I still highly recommend just drinking some water when you wake up, water with lemon and salt, water with lemon and electrolytes, water and electrolytes of some sort just to rehydrate yourself because you've already been fasting for from water for the last at least, you know, six to eight hours, hopefully, if you slept well. And you're already waking up dehydrated. So the idea of just putting caffeine directly into your body immediately is like, eh, you don't, you don't really need to dehydrate, you know, first thing in the morning. So hydrate 
and then drink your coffee and we're just going to say that it's also hydrating you because it is 99% water. What are the downfalls of coffee? So in your body, there's a chemical called adenosine and adenosine as it builds up, it allows us to get more and more tired as the day progresses. This is a natural like chemical and reaction in your body. Adenosine builds up. It helps you. It's a sleep receptor. So it helps you um, or a chemical that helps you fall asleep later in the day. And caffeine blocks your adenosine receptors, which is why caffeine keeps us awake. This is one reason that they suggest, you know, waiting an hour to an hour and a half after you wake up before drinking coffee because this will allow your adenosine to reset and kind of let your body naturally wake up and this can help prevent that afternoon crash that a lot of people feel. But basically coffee has a half-life of six hours. I'll get into a half-life in just a minute. Half-life is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, but coffee has a half-life of six hours. So basically, all of that adenosine is building up in your body. It's building up, you know, you drink your coffee and your adenosine is still building up, but your receptors are blocked. So when your caffeine finally starts to wear off, this is when you finally get that major crash in the afternoon because your adenosine receptors have had a brick wall in front of them all day. And now all of a sudden that brick wall has gone and your body can feel all of that adenosine that's been building up from the moment you woke up. So that's why you have that crazy, like, tired crash in the afternoon. A lot of people, it's like between three and five. Then you go caffeinate and then you do it all again. So kind of kind of mix the cycle of, like, drinking coffee in the morning and then drinking coffee in the afternoon. Or not just coffee, but any caffeine beverage. Um, and like I said, the, the half-life of coffee is six hours. A half-life is literally just the amount of time it takes for half of the caffeine to leave your body. So half-life of caffeine is six hours. So six hours after you've consumed it, you'll still have half of the caffeine left in your body. This is the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard. Why are we using half-life? Why are we mathing when we don't have to math? Can we just say full life, please? This is the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard. Like, why are we saying the half-life of caffeine is six hours, which means the full life of caffeine is 12 hours? So you're telling me that I have to think about the fact that six hours from now, I'll still have half of the caffeine left in my body. Why don't we just use the full life version and I'll say 12 hours from now is when all of the caffeine is out of my body. <laughs> like the, the half-life thing absolutely drove me nuts because everything talks about caffeine and coffee in like the half times. Why? Just, or the half life. Sorry. Why? Can we please just say the full life? So basically the full life of caffeine is 12 hours. So first of all, you're welcome. No one talks about the full life. And like, I'm just going to say that for you guys. <laughs> but if you are consuming coffee at 8 a.m., then that means that caffeine in your body is now, you know, dissipating. It is now gone by 8 p.m. So if you consume coffee at 10 a.m., it's gone at 10 p.m. And like some people, you know, are drinking a cup at 8 a.m., drinking a cup at 10 a.m., maybe drinking a cup at 12 and then another one at 3 o'clock. And those get – every time you consume those caffeinated beverages, they get their own life. So now the one that I drink at 12 o'clock isn't going to be gone until midnight. 
And now the one that I drink at three o'clock isn't going to be gone until 3 a.m. So you can see how this would disrupt your sleep cycle because it's just blocking your adenosine receptors all day and then you're crashing. And then as soon as you start to crash, you hit yourself with another caffeine jolt. And then, you know, you have this caffeine surging through your body, still blocking your sleep receptors and up until 3 a.m. if you're consuming coffee at 3 p.m. You get the point. Anyway, Half-Life, dumbest thing I had to freaking get through in this podcast, and I'm going to just talk about it in a full life. <laughs> so basically, the sweet spot with coffee is they, they say like 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine per day, which would be like realistically like one to one to three cups of coffee is somewhere in the range of one to 200 milligrams of caffeine. However, if you're also consuming other caffeinated drinks like Mountain Dews, Red Bulls, Alani News, Bubblers, any other, or please, for God's sake, don't consume those garbage ass drinks like Monster or any of those disgusting, disgusting, toxic things. There's my personal opinion. Um, if you're consuming any other type of caffeinated drink, you have to include or you should be including that caffeine into that daily number as well. So if you're drinking a cup of coffee in the morning, a cup of coffee in the afternoon, hitting a Red Bull or a Monster in the evening, like you've clearly gone way, 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 way over your caffeine allotment per day. And again, that was 100 to 200 milligrams caffeine per day. So just keep that in mind. Also, tea has caffeine. So like maybe you're not drowning yourself in junk because tea is really good for you, but there is tea that's caffeinated. So just, you know, sweet spot. I'm, I'm not trying to be your mom. You do what you want to do. But And some people have um, a higher tolerance. Coffee tolerance is real. Caffeine tolerance is real. Um, the thing about tolerance is that you basically over time just don't get the same high from one cup of coffee that you used to. So maybe when you were younger, it, maybe it had nothing to do with your aging. It was just the fact that you were younger and the coffee hit you and you'd be so energetic and now you need two cups of coffee. It's not necessarily because you're old. It's maybe just because you have built up a coffee tolerance or a caffeine tolerance. So it doesn't affect you quite as much as it used to because of how much you are consuming. And then that also goes for like some people are just way more sensitive to caffeine and coffee than others. So this is why personally, I try not to drink coffee after 12 o'clock noon or I just won't go to sleep, which after learning about the full life of coffee being 12 o'clock means midnight, like I really should not drink coffee after 10 a.m. because I need it to be completely gone and out of my system by 10 p.m. So I did actually learn something new um, in this in this podcast today. But yeah, coffee tolerance is real. So again, I'm not trying to be your mom, but the sweet spot is 100 to 200 milligrams of coffee. All right, so now let's get into the nitty gritty. And this is why I actually chose this topic today. Um, coffee is something that we are consuming a lot of and pretty much daily. So, you know, in my opinion, if you're consuming it daily, it's more important and it should be higher on your list of importance of things that you're like actually focusing on what you're putting in your body. And something about coffee that a lot of people do not know is that literally I think it was like 80 some percent of coffees on like the store shelves have mold and mycotoxins in there. That's kind of terrifying. Um, you know, the fact that we 
intentionally try to avoid toxins and try to avoid mold. And yet something that we're consuming every single day, you just grab it off the shelves at the store and it's probably coated in mold and mycotoxins. So mold, um, you know what mold is. Coffee tends to have a lot of mold, which is bad for your liver, your kidneys. Um, Mold can occur for various reasons in the coffee. A lot of them, it's you know, they're grown, coffee is grown in humid regions and humidity can cause mold. The coffee bean itself is inside of a shell. So when they um, harvest coffee, it's inside of a little shell and then they have to remove the shell to get the coffee bean out. And to remove the shell, it is removed with like a water soaking process, which then leaves the bean wet afterwards. So depending on how long the bean is wet, um, mold can grow just because of the shell removal process. And then also uh, coffee is roasted at high temperatures. And I didn't really research why this is. I was just, you know, trying to be quick. But apparently roasting at high temperatures also creates a viable environment for mold. So I didn't know that. I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought the opposite. Honestly, like high temps would kill it. But apparently roasting coffee beans at high temperatures is a great environment for mold to grow. So those are several reasons why there might be mold in your coffee. It is not something that is regulated by the FDA. It's not something that literally anyone in the government gives a flying, you know, what about. Um, They just don't care. Like, to be honest, if you still think the government cares about you and what you're consuming, um, you got it wrong because I promise you they don't. So mold is not regulated in coffee. It doesn't matter if they could they could test it and it could be 100% mold in this and they will still put it on the shelves at the grocery store because it just doesn't matter to them. Um, so yeah, there's mold in your coffee most likely. And it's not like a brand to brand thing. Like you could have a bag of, well, I don't know, Folgers and one bag is doesn't have very much, but the next bag has a ton. Like there's just absolutely no regulation and it's not brand to brand. It's not like anything like that. Um, although you can obviously find clean brands. I'll get to that in a second. But mycotoxins were the other thing that I talked about. And mycotoxins are toxins that are produced by different types of fungi and mold. So these different molds and different fungi that are inside your coffee bean, they all are capable of releasing their own toxins. And I'm not going to go down a list because obviously you don't care. The The net term is called mycotoxins. And these are usually very, very, very prominent in coffee as well. Do I need to buy organic? Organic is obviously great because they're not using like horrible chemicals and pesticides all over all of the stuff that you're consuming. But just being organic doesn't mean that it's mold and mycotoxin free unless this is specified on their website, which they would obviously want to do because like the more testing and research and money that they're putting into their coffee and like the better that their coffee is, the more they would be blasting it and advertising it that way. Obviously, if they're putting money into getting it tested for mold and mycotoxins and removing those from the coffee, then like they're spending money on that. They're going to blast it and try to get you to come to them for that reason. So, um, but there is like, they will list it on their website if it's mold and mycotoxin free. Um, organic itself is kind of a debate with coffee because coffee comes in that shell, like I mentioned before. And some people think that 
any pesticides that are sprayed on coffee cannot penetrate that shell and therefore the shell is eventually removed during the shell removal process to get the bean and that you don't need to buy organic coffee necessarily because it doesn't actually touch the coffee bean. So that part, you know, personal choice. I will say that most of the companies that I have seen that do go above and beyond to make sure that their coffee is mold and mycotoxin free, that that they do all the testing and they get that removed or whatever, those companies also do tend to be organic companies. So usually if you're going the extra mile to find mold and mycotoxin free, you're probably going to have an organic bean anyway. Um, but generally speaking, clean coffee is just considered like mold and mycotoxin free. I don't have like the, the research on the organic coffee wasn't really that prominent for me. I didn't, I couldn't really find like a definite yes or, um, or a definite no. So again, maybe some pesticides penetrate the shell, maybe some of the pesticides, like when they soak the shell off in the water process, the chemicals and the pesticides get in that water and then the beans are, you know, also in there. So now that pesticide water is on the beans. Like there was a lot of debate behind it. So that one's just personal, but clean coffee is technically just like mold and mycotoxin free as far as I could tell. So how do you find these clean coffees? You just research. Generally speaking, you Google clean mold and mycotoxin free coffee. (laughs) It's that simple. Um, Check the websites, look on the bags to see if they're mold and mycotoxin free. Basically, once you Google it, you can, you'll get a plethora of them and you can click on them and read about them. Personally, I tried to read some reviews on them. So yeah, otherwise, basically Google's your friend. You can Google, you can get an education just about on anything these days. So educate yourself, figure out what one you want to try. You can always like order a few different bags, try which one you like best. Something else that I would love to mention is you should always be consuming something prior to having your coffee in the morning. You shouldn't consume coffee on an empty stomach. This, I do this every single day. I never consume coffee on an empty stomach. Coffee jacks your cortisol levels like unnaturally first thing in the morning, sending your body into like a fight or flight mode immediately, like right when you consume it. And I said unnaturally to the cortisol levels because naturally when you wake up, your cortisol levels do begin to rise, okay? They're rising gradually it's getting you awake. It's getting you like up and ready for the day. If you go out into the sun in the morning, that can help raise your cortisol like in a good way because cortisol is one of those testy things. It's like, it's got an angel side and a devil side. Okay. And when you consume coffee on an empty stomach, it's the little devil cortisol that hops out and it just skyrockets your cortisol levels and it wreaks havoc on your body because when you're in fight or flight mode, your entire body is stressed. Even though you might not feel stressed, you're just overall stressing your body out. Coffee is also highly acidic, so it can really irritate your gut lining by just, you know, you wake up in the morning, you've been fasting for a long time, six to eight hours at minimum, hopefully, and you have an acidic stomach that has absolutely nothing in it, and then you just pour a bunch of highly acidic coffee right on top. So putting something in your stomach prior to consuming coffee can help kind of buffer your stomach and also prevents that cortisol bomb from happening. So 
it's as simple as eating your breakfast before you consume your coffee. I personally am not a huge like I. I don't want to wake up and just like gorge myself on breakfast. So I do the bone broth every single morning, bone broth with collagen added. So I'm consuming, you know, like 20 grams of protein first thing in the morning. It gives it a buffer. I have usually like water and electrolytes in the morning and my bone broth. Sometimes I will also consume kefir is how you're supposed to say it. Some people call it kefir. It's like that liquid probiotic um, yogurt drink. So I'll have a glass of kefir. I always have my bone broth, my collagen, stuff like that. And then I'll have my coffee. And then maybe a little later, I tend to like to work out after this and then have my actual breakfast after I work out. But that's typically the route I go. I might have a carb if I'm working out heavy, something like that. Also, if you add fats to your coffee, this can also help with buffering your stomach and giving the – preventing the cortisol bomb. So fats like – think like bulletproof coffee. We all, you know, the keto craziness that happened. Um, Putting like grass-fed butter or grass-fed ghee or um, MCT oils, something like that, like that into your coffee in the morning. And just having all of that coffee or all that fat in your coffee can also act as a buffer for the same reasons that putting food or bone broth or kefir or whatever into your belly does for you. I feel like that's all I have to say about like regular coffee. Um, I am going to get into decaf a little bit just because later on I will address caffeine, but in general there might be people who are looking for a decaf. Obviously decaf is just coffee without the caffeine. Regular coffee beans are put through a process to remove the caffeine. However, decaf coffee is never fully decaffeinated. There is somewhere around 3% caffeine still left over typically. So just keep that in mind. It's never going to be 100% caffeine free. Decaf coffee is usually a little bit more mild, a little less acidic, oftentimes has a little bit less flavor. Just because when it like it's hard to remove the caffeine without also removing some of the flavor. And for the most part, decaf coffee does maintain all the same benefits as regular coffee, all the minerals, all the antioxidants, all the good things, aside from the obvious of like any benefits and energy that comes from the caffeine itself. So this is the part that was kind of bizarre. And this is why I wanted to bring it up for like health reasons. Like if you are getting decaffeinated coffee, you really want to focus on how it is decaffeinated. So the majority of coffee that you see on the grocery store shelves, it, first of all, it will like, it will just say decaf. It's not going to tell you the method. The majority of these coffees are decaffeinated with a solvent chemical, most commonly methylene chloride, which is the majority of people would know of methylene chloride as like a paint stripper. And this is, this was shocking to me and terrifying. So these Beans are obviously removed from the shell. It's just the bean now, okay? And it is soaking in methylene chloride. It is not, it doesn't need to soak for a ton of time because the methylene chloride, obviously a paint stripper, hi. It's it is dissolving the caffeine out of the bean. So it doesn't need to be soaked for a long time. It's a quick process. But now if you think about it, you just soaked your coffee beans in a literal like paint stripper, we're just going to call it that because I'm, you know, fear mongering, whatever. You're soaking it in a paint stripper and then you're going to go 
put that bean in your coffee machine, grind it up or whatever, and soak it in water. And now there is no chance in hell you're not drinking methylene chloride. Like you absolutely 100% are. That's absolutely insane to me. It just, it just, it just doesn't seem like that should be legal. But again, none of this stuff's regulated by the FDA. Completely approved. Like they don't care. It, it doesn't matter. Um, so the clean coffee decaffeinated method is called the Swiss water method. If it is decaffeinated in this way, they will probably put it on the bag. I can't imagine they would go this route and then not tell everyone. Um, with the Swiss water method, essentially the beans are just soaked in water, but the process is much, much longer. So the water also dissolves the caffeine, but because this takes so much longer than the chemical version, this is why most places aren't going to do it. It's not a quick product turnover. Like these people want to like turn over, turn over, turn over product and make as much money as they can. Whereas these other companies are going the long route, the healthier route, the Swiss water method. So, oh, and also the Swiss water method um, can help maintain the flavor of the coffee. So you do lose a lot less flavor than you would if you were decaffeinating with the chemicals because the chemicals break it down so fast that that's how it loses the flavor as well. So when you decaffeinate with the Swiss water method, it's a slower process and it mostly just dissolves the caffeine and you get to keep all your flavors. So kind of a win-win there. It's healthier and you get some more flavor in it. Um, currently, I did do like a caffeine detox. I detoxed um, for, I want to say only like a month where I drank no caffeine. And now I'm back to drinking caffeine, but I am blending like half and half of decaf beans in my uh, espresso machine as well as caffeinated beans. I want to talk about creamers a little bit more maybe later on because I do want to discuss milks, like all the different like plant milks and regular milks, whatever. Um, With creamers, like there's pretty much no healthy creamer on the market. If it has gums, if it has carrageenan, if it has any type of like vegetable oil, that is an inflammatory oil. So like soy oil, canola oil, rapeseed oil, just like the only good oils in my opinion are olive oil, avocado oil, and coconut oil. So if it's not one of those, it's probably not a good oil. And then sugar. So creamers just have all these additives and all this sugar and all this nasty shit in it. So I don't know. I just technically speaking, you can have a little of whatever you want, but again, it's something you consume every day. You know, people love to say, well, my creamer is only 20 calories. And only has like one gram of sugar. Okay, well, creamer typically is 20 to 35 calories and like one to four grams of sugar per serving. But it's also a tablespoon, a tablespoon of creamer. There is nobody on the planet, nobody on God's green earth that is putting a tablespoon of creamer in your coffee. Because if you are, then why? Just don't do it. Like it's doing absolutely nothing for you. It's not changing the flavor of your coffee. It's just, you're just wasting money at that point on creamer. So when you actually add up the amount of the creamer that you're putting in, you're probably adding closer to like 100 to 200 calories, 4 to 16 grams of sugar, etc. You know, like you really have to think about how much you're adding in. Otherwise, those serving sizes are, I mean, it's absolute bullshit. Like, let's be real here. Like one freaking tablespoon, nobody's doing that. Um, my recommendation for creamer is literally just milk or heavy cream with quality sweeteners. Obviously, I prefer 
whole milk, cow's milk. I'll get to that in another episode based on milks. But my recommendation is just to be as natural as you possibly can and don't put all this nasty additives and gunk and all this shit that you don't need in your body into your body. Um, And again, I just want to reiterate, these are things that you're putting into your body every single day. So it's important to think about, in my opinion, at the very least, the things that you're putting into your body every day. Like my last episode, we talked about alcohol. And for me, like I don't consume very much alcohol to begin with. So if I eliminate alcohol, sure, it's going to be great for my body, great for my skin, great for my hair, all those things. But it probably won't be that noticeable to me over the course of time just because it's not something that I consume very often. And like when it comes to glowing up, you want to think about the things that you're consuming and using and touching and breathing every single day and like find the workaround for those things. Because if you, you know, if you only eat pasta four times a year and then you're suddenly choosing gluten-free pasta, it's not going to change your life. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to change your life. (laughs) So coffee is something I consume every single day. And that's why I wanted to be more aware of it and more aware of what I'm putting, you know, in my coffee, what comes in my coffee. Um, I personally cut a little bit of caffeine back out of my life. So I do half and half, half regular, half decaf coffee in the morning. And I feel like it's just one step closer to us glowing up because, you know, again, It's something I'm consuming every single day. So it's something that's going to make a difference. That is all I have for you today. Again, I'm not trying to fear monger you. You do whatever the hell you want. It's your life. Um, I will say the coffee that is cleaner, they do tend to be a little bit more expensive. So you have to keep that in mind. For me, it was like, is the cost worth it to know that I'm not going to put mold and mycotoxins and like nasty additives or chemicals into my body. To me, it was worth it. That's why I've made that choice. And I also have just, because I've been kind of like half and half, I haven't felt like the dire need to have caffeine all the time. So I've been drinking less. So I guess at the end of the day, maybe the money balances out because I'm spending a little bit more, but consuming a little bit less. So that's all I have for you today. (laughs) I know I said I was going to keep it short. Um, It ended up being long anyway. I would love your input on this episode, what you thought about this episode, or if you have any topics that you want to discuss on any later episodes. I had a request to discuss collagen, and then I did have somebody request the milks. So I'm going to talk about those in a later episode. And then again, I'll talk about caffeine and sleep for sure, because we need both of those and so important. All right. Well, I hope you have the best day ever and the best week ever, and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye.